The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest grooves, to the backwoods swamp where you hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lodged deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Andy Aerosmith of Pink Mist Effects, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Ed Terebus from Erebus, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey, this is James Pallas from Chicago, owner-operator of Lost Souls uh, Chicago, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> hey, it's your boy, Matt Clayton, from the American Horrorplex in Louisville, Kentucky, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Doug Bradley Pinhead from the Hellraiser Movies. You're listening to the Big Scary Show. You'd better keep listening to the Big Scary Show, or I will tear your soul apart. You're listening to the Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. You've tuned in to Big Scary Show episode 217. That's right. As you're making your way through the summer, trying to find out exactly what your haunt plans and what your haunt's looking for this week, we bring you another great episode with all your favorites. Badger brings you deadline news. You can find out what's going on in the industry, who's doing what, who's making changes with COVID, what shows are going on, and how is the industry itself changing and looking different. Meat Hook Jim will bring you more burial practices from across the world as he's going to feature German burial practices. So grab the, uh, you know, the pretzels and the, your favorite beer and your uh, schnitzer doodle and whatever you got for that. That should be fantastic. Jerry is picking out some amazing music again for you this episode to keep the tunes rocking and things going on. I... We'll be addressing the Chinese mystery seeds and have a recipe for disaster on that one for you in a haunt minute. Weister's taking a little break this week, uh, still working on his big all things 
spooky horror and everything. So he's got a lot to go on that. So we'll be hearing from him the next episode. A little summer break for him for this episode. So keep at it, buddy. And uh, we're looking forward to the next segment. Uh, we're also going to have an interview with uh, Scott Swenson. He's going to be talking about um, some things that are going on for him this year. Um, the Undead in the Water. Find out more about that in this week's interview. Should be fantastic. And of course, the Round Table of Terror, where we're going to talk about haunt acting, directing your actors, the challenges facing to you this season. Talk to some amazing directors and people with acting experience on managing your actors we'll be speaking with andrew matt and japes really great conversation some very unique perspectives and probably some things you may not have thought of or heard of regarding actors at your haunt we'll have more information on the gruesome giveaway all kinds of great fun and surprises. Why? Because it is Big Scary Show. It is episode 117. Hey, we're going to get you through this, whether you're quarantined or you're starting to get back to normal. You may not be able to find Clorox wipes and toilet paper is still the weird off brand, but you can depend on Big Scary Show. And here you go. Prepare to scream. The creeping, crawling flesh eaters cover the body in the most vile experiment ever devised. Flesh feast. Morbid horror in shock throbbing color. Plus, on the same program, a ghastly tale drenched in clots of blood, a taste of blood, and teenage strangler. A new bluebeard preying on budding teeny boppers. Don't miss them. Rated PG. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free. And see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for Deadline News here on The Big Scary Show with your host, me. Drew Badger, bringing you all the latest in the haunted house, Halloween, and horror industries. Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger and Deadline News episode 217. And we're going to start off with some news from the infamous Raven's Grin in Haunted House in Mount Carroll, Illinois. I am sure everyone knew this was coming, but sadly, after 33 years of being open not just during October, but nearly every day throughout the year, we will be staying closed, at least through the Halloween season. We've tried coming up with a number of scenarios to try and not only provide the same depth of entertainment as everyone has come to enjoy throughout these years, but also ones which would keep customers, our seasonal employees, and ourselves as safe as possible. 
We have tried, I promise you that, but with no luck. The same design of our tours and interactions that are what made this house and experience unique is also a massive roadblock in trying to come up with a plan. So for now, stay safe everyone, and hopefully we will see you soon. Sincerely, Jim and Jessica. Keep up with any of their updates at hauntedravensgrin.com. We have this news from the Nile Nightmares Haunted House in Mount Lake Terrace, Washington. At Nile Nightmares Haunted House, our commitment to the safety of our guests, our staff, and our local community is our primary concern. It is because of this commitment to safety and due to the current Washington State Governor's rules, we will not be able to bring you the 2020 Haunted House as planned. We are deeply saddened by this situation and we would like to thank our loyal fans and our dead Icated staff for all their support and understanding in these difficult times. This would have been our 10th year anniversary and we were ready to rock it. Please let us know or please know that we are still committed to bringing the scares back as soon as possible. Through the continual improvement of the haunt and with additional safety protocols in place, we will be back bigger and scarier in 2021. At this time, we are still hopeful that our Krampus shows scheduled for December will be able to continue, so stay tuned for updated info as we get closer. Thank you and stay safe. Peter Paulicki, the producer of Nile Nightmares. Get more information and keep up with those updates at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Nile Nightmares. We have this from the Dark Matter Screamworks in Greece, New York. Dear all the Dark Matter Screamworks friends and family, this is a tough post to say considering how great our last season was. Due to the ongoing public health concerns brought on by COVID-19, we have made the difficult decision to not open for the 2020 season. This was not an easy decision, but after speaking with state officials and other amusement operators, our team members and our families felt it was ultimately the right thing to do. The safety of our team members, family, and guests has always been our number one priority. Our plan is to continue to update our attraction and be ready for an amazing 2021 season. We appreciate your continued support and understanding. We're sorry if this disappoints anyone, as we are disappointed as well. Sincerely, Joe and Sherry. Keep up with any of their updates at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash darkmatterscreamworks. Hmm. We have this news from the Extreme Fear Scaregrounds in Kinston, North Carolina. We have an announcement. We have decided we will not be opening this fall season due to COVID-19. This is for the safety of all our employees and staff and our patrons. We look forward to scaring all of you next season at our brand new location, the Lenore County Fairgrounds in Kinston, North Carolina. Stay tuned for more exciting updates at facebook.com slash LLC. Well, we have a little bit of better news, this time from the Hillside Haunt of Hell in Glenwood, Iowa. Would you like to earn extra money, prizes, and have tons of fun this haunt season at the all-new Hillside of House of Hell? Bring your friends and share this event. The more people to scare, the more fun it is. Join us on any of the following dates from 2 to 5 p.m., August 22nd, 23rd, 29th, and 30th, 
and audition. RSVP on the date you're attending. You must be at least 16 years of age. Those under 18 need parental consent. We are closely monitoring the situation with COVID-19 and will be making extra precautions to combat the virus and prevent the spread. At the present time, medical or cloth masks which cover the nose and mouth will be required if you plan on attending our casting calls. If you have a question, leave a comment or direct message us for more at facebook.com slash hillside house of hell and apply now at scareiowa.com. We have a little more good news this time from the Darkness Haunted House in St. Louis. We are now hiring for the 2020 season. It's the most fun you'll ever have working. Earn extra money while making St. Louis scream. Apply today for the Darkness and Creepy World. We're hiring actors, security, animation techs, and more. The Darkness and Creepy World opens on October 2nd. Apply today at scarefest.com slash apply. And finally, we have this news regarding the Evil Dead franchise. This comes to us via comicbook.com. Fans of Sam Raimi's horror classics Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 have a new option to consider if they're looking to upgrade their Blu-rays to 4K Ultra HD editions. Best Buy has just launched a new steelbook version that packages both films together in 4K for $27.99. It arrives on September 29th, so you'll have plenty of time for Halloween viewing. Details on the special features have not been released at this time, but odds are there won't be any new content. However, it will look pretty fantastic in your collection, and getting the steelbook set is considerably cheaper than buying the standard 4K editions separately. At the time of this writing, Evil Dead in 4K and Evil Dead 2 in 4K are both priced at $18 on Amazon. Note that the Evil Dead Steelbook 4K Ultra HD set launched alongside a similar release for the original Halloween film. That's available for pre-order from Best Buy for $19.99 with shipping slated for September 29th. Hmm. Makes a great Christmas gift, I'm sure. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Wednesday 13, what the night brings on the Big Scary Show.
house owners, actors, and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth, this is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so did anybody else get um, their seeds in the mail? You know, the, the ones from China? Hey, I, I got some and, you know, throw them in. With a little olive oil and some rosemary and a little bit of garlic. 425 degrees for about uh, 22 minutes in the oven. And they're fantastic at the end. And that's my recipe for mystery Chinese seeds in the mail. Yeah, because that's what's going on. People get mystery seeds in the mail and people have actually been planting them. Uh, there have been a few which have been smart and, you know, well, not really smart because, you know, uh, people will even just throw them out. I don't know about your state, but uh, Rhode Island still has a landfill because that's what you want to do. You want to take mystery, possibly invasive uh, seeds and throw them into, you know, a giant compost pile and bury them because, you know, that, that what, what could possibly go wrong? And, you know, it's it's not like the joke and, and, you know, you're going to have, like, Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors grow out of them, and it's not some massive conspiracy. It's just a company trying to, you know, try and illegitimately increase their business rating on things because they'll have, you know, addresses that they say they've sent something to, and they'll be able to address that as customers. Blah, 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 blah. It's complicated and, and goes into it, and the cheapest thing you got around are, you know, probably a bunch of seeds. So it's, um, you know, not necessarily evil and, you know, trying to, you know, send evasive species and stuff. It's just not thinking and going with it. And, but the, the, I love the people that plant the mystery seeds, you know. You receive something in the mail, you don't know what it is, you don't order it, and you go ahead and execute it anyway. Oh, that's amazing. It also shows us that, you know, for haunting and everything, we can still use that to our advantage, you know. You can still take the mystery element because everybody loves a good mystery and market your haunt with it even if you do something literal like it you know send an envelope say you know x and x haunt uh do not open if you want a chance to win free tickets this season and you know you open it and says sorry you've lost your chance of free tickets and you know figure it out on your website if they have an unopened envelope they can you know, enter it in the night they come in to get free uh, VIP tickets, have a chance at free VIP tickets or something that night. But, I mean, that's a fact. People will open the envelopes and, oh, look, I already lost. But that that mystery and not being able to resist executing something that is a mystery and, and get an answer can work to your advantage. 
while shocking and confusing, and you're hoping people have better sense than to, you know, just plant mystery seeds they get in the mail, nah, they go for it, and again, one more thing we've found this year, and with the whole quarantine and COVID and that all the air awareness of 2020, that we can use the psyche to our advantage. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Gentlemen, that music, of course, once again signifies that it is time once again for the Roundtable of Terror. And folks, you know, it is August. We're moving into mid-August, which means September is around the corner. And there are haunts that are claiming to be open as early as September 4th this year. Oh, my goodness. Haunt season is right around the corner. A lot of haunts have announced they are not opening due to covid a lot of haunts are also hiring at this time, and I'm sure with all the new responsibilities, all the new things that you've got to do to make your haunt safe this year, don't let your actor training get thrown to the wayside. A lot of haunts have said they're going to concentrate more on animatronics and less on actors. Is that a good thing? We don't know. I guess we'll wait and see and find out. Um, but we wanted to talk a little bit about actor training, which is obviously one of the more important things about haunted houses. Good haunted houses have good actors. Great haunted houses have great actors. And the best thing you can do for your actors, besides taking care of them, is to make sure they are properly trained to work in your haunt. How many of you have gone through the haunt only to see somebody in a rubber mask jumping out of a corner and yelling, Get out. Ah, there's a lot more to that when it comes to actor training. So we have some people who know a little bit about actor training on the line with us today, as well as our co-hosts who have a little bit of that as well. Let's start off up in the Chicago area with Japes Palace, who has been on the Big Scary News a couple of times. I believe this is his first time on the round table. He's been training actors for going on 20 years up in the Chicago area. Places like Rob Zombie's Great American Nightmare, The Asylum Experiment, Dream Reapers, Green Bay Fear, other places. Japes, are you with us in Chicago? I am here. It is good to talk to you again, sir. 
is we have good to be on for sure. We have, we have an amusing story we'll probably relate later about Chainsaw Guy, but uh, I digress. Um, Want to welcome also from Denton, Texas, we have Andy Aerosmith, not to be confused with the hardest working band in Boston, who has been training actors for roughly 10 years. He has worked at places like Cutting Edge, House of Torment, used to own Dark Path Haunt in Denton. Andy, are you with us? Howdy. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you here, sir. And last but certainly not least, up in the Louisville, Kentucky area, we have Matt Clayton, who has been training actors about nine years, has worked at places like the Devil's Attic, the 7th Street Haunt, and is currently working at the, I believe, the American Horrorplex. Give our regards to Travis. Matt, are you with us? I am with you. All right. You'll need to speak up just a little bit. Um, I am with you. There we go. Good to have you here, sir. We also have our usual co-hosts, including up in Rhode Island, who trained actors for many years at Trails to Terror. We have Storm. Greetings from the land of Isis or Ifilithidor or whatever that thing was that came through and knocked out power a lot of people, but up and running in Stormyland. Nice. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Meat Hook Jim, who has no longer ownership of Mall, but knows a little bit about training actors with that. Oh, I am still consulting with them, but I have to ask you, Drew, were you listening to the cars shake it up this morning? Uh, no, because I was living it. <laughs> uh, the the Haunster Manless Jerry Vane is off tonight. He is doing some family business and is actually on the road returning from Iowa. So we wish him safe travels back to Columbus, Ohio. My name is Drew Badger, and... As just mentioned, we had an earthquake today. Woohoo! We're recording this on Sunday evening before the show. And that was interesting enough. I've been working with Haunted House training actors for the last 15 years. Uh, currently, it haunts in 21 states, one Canadian province, and counting. We'll get into that later. But, gentlemen, welcome to the Round Table of Terror. It's great to have you here. Um, I'll throw the first question out. This goes out to anybody that wants to answer, and hopefully, all of you will. What made you decide to go into training actors, taking the step from being an actor, which I assume you all started as, into actually training actors? What was it that made you want to do that? I don't mind starting. Um, so this I was is, working, this is Japes. Uh, I was working for uh, working for a haunted house uh, that. that um, no longer exists, actually, uh, but uh, my first year I did really well with acting and I uh, got to go through some cool training classes. I got to see uh, Joe Jensen did his actor training class and then uh, the following year I got to uh, work with Jeff Glatzer uh, and was uh, just kind of fell in love with the haunt industry and kind of was, was reading a lot of Scared Stiff and um, you know kind of wanted to you know try my hand at, at training. I always kind of liked presenting so um, I jumped into training and kind of built my own curriculum and, and stuff around the some of the stuff that I had learned from Joe and Jeff and kind of built it into my, my own thing over the years. How about you, Andy? How did you get started into it? I got started uh, with House of Torment in Austin in 2010. Um, I had just gotten out of... I went to college at an art school in Savannah, Georgia, uh, 
sometimes regretfully, what am I going to do with that kind of degree? Uh, then I went to Austin and just sort of swan dived into House of Torment. And I had never even been to a haunted house before. Uh, I grew up not celebrating Halloween, and that really backfired on me. Uh, so House of Torment, uh, very nice people, very professional, took me into the middle of the uh, haunted house uh, maze, essentially. Left me there, and over radio asked me to find my way back to the office. And it <laughs> took me a very long time, and I quickly realized I, I really didn't know what I had walked into. Uh, from there, they hired me as a manager rather than just an actor. Um, I guess because I have a lot of uh, theatrical training and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, and they really take the stunts and, and uh, body work and movement and, and stuff like that and vocals uh, very seriously. Um, and I really just fell in love with it. I'm kind of a maximizer with uh, creative projects. You see something really good and you think, what could I contribute to make it even better? And I, I really felt that with the training actors there at House of Torment. Very nice. Matt, how about you? How did, how did you get started in this? I would say that, um, am I audible, by the by? I hear you fine now. Fantastic. Um, I apologize for any um, audio issues. I'm currently sitting in an alleyway outside of a music studio having just wrapped up uh, recording music all day. So if you can hear crickets, birds, and squirrels in the background, um, that's that's the gig that we signed up for today. Um, <laughs> so to piggyback off of what everybody else was saying, you know, I worked uh, multiple haunts, started at Psychomania Theater of Terror under the direction of Phil Granger, Matt Kemp, and Nick, uh, that's where Travis and I met and later got married and started the um, the business of 7th Street Haunt. And when 7th first started, uh, I wanted to take a hands-off approach and allow Travis to have his baby and I'd, I'd have music and we'd keep it separate. However, my mom, his mom-in-law... Um, kind of handled a lot of the logistics of the business, etc. And then when I came in, having had background from Psychomania and The Devil's Attic under the direction of Jason Besman and Todd Merriman, who are respectively geniuses in their own right, um, I was able to, um, like Jape said, develop a curriculum that I thought would fit for an inside haunt. Because as I'm sure any haunter will tell you, the indoor haunt versus outdoor haunt, the uh, curriculi for each respective type of haunt has to be different by the very nature of the show. And... Um, what was cool was I was kind of coming into a culture that had already been established and got to build upon what had already been there and uh, create a thing that was uh, very we run a tight ship as far as, as what 
the expectation and goals of the cast uh, come from. And, and that was very drilled into me if I were to give shout-outs ahead of the ones that we'll record at the end of the show. Um, Todd Merriman and, and Jason Besman at The Devil's Attic, another local Louisville haunt, um, there's nothing but the utmost in quality required as a prerequisite and that's the same type of thing that we try to instill in the culture of um, before it uh, before we had to move the Seventh Street Haunt before they unfortunately had to close this year Asylum Haunted Screen Park under Janelle and Brian and Becky and April and now at the American Horror Plex. Excellent. So, um, is the Horrorplex opening this year? I have not heard. Yes, we are. Our opening date is currently slated for September 18th. Fantastic. Good to know that. Um, questions now. Like I have heard that um, a lot of haunts, as I mentioned in the intro, will be concentrating a little bit less on actors this year because of COVID, for obvious reasons, in a lot of haunts where it's tight and close-knit. It's a little hard to social distance and things, and people are re relying a little bit more on animatronics this year. Um, in the light of this, we might as well go ahead and hit this hard, hit this hard now. Um, with COVID out there and with people maybe forcing actors to wear masks and being social distanced, um, do you guys have a plan or do you guys know what to do as far as, you know, obviously you can't have your actors running through the middle of queue lines, breathing down people's necks, saying they smell good or, or you know, getting in people's faces. How are, how are some of the ways you might be training your various actors at various haunts to uh, practice safety, social distancing and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I guess my my big thing around COVID, and, and I've talked with a lot of people about it, and I've, I've done a couple, one podcast, not a couple, I did a podcast uh, about it too. And, and, you know, the thing is, it doesn't matter if I've been training for 20 years or 10 years or five years, like nobody has any idea how to do training during a pandemic because we've never experienced it. So, I, I mean... As much as I would love to pretend that I know exactly what I'm doing, you know, we're, we're making it up. And I think the big thing is that we have to look at the, the local regulations. We have to look at what, you know, what the CDC is saying and, and all that and, and take all that information into, you know, into our, our, our minds when we're developing the training. Um, but it's definitely a big year for, for you know, getting a lot of body work i think i think it was andy was talking about body work but you know how you're carrying your body is going to mean so much more this year than than dialogue because dialogue is going to be non-existent hi andy here uh wanted to say mad props to you guys who are opening this year you have like the whole world watching you and seeing what happens uh I think, uh, I don't know, there's a lot to be said there. There's mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of uh, new territory for everyone this year. So, uh, respect. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I think it's so important that people are really looking at it and taking it seriously. That's one of my big concerns this year is is because there are different um, levels of belief of 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 what coronavirus is. You know, there are also people who who don't think that it's a big deal and don't think they have to take a lot of um, a lot of precautions. So I'm that's one thing that I'm really been looking at in the Chicago area is what is everybody doing to prepare, you know, to prepare their entire haunt. Um, but certainly, you know, around around the actor stuff, I just think that, you know, around the actor training, I just think that there needs to be a, a heavy, heavy, heavy focus on on logistics, really just like really drilling it into people's heads when they come in and when they're supposed to, you know, how they're supposed to handle their costumes and how they're supposed to handle their, their makeup and, um, you know, really get that stuff tight. It's to me that that is the stuff that you have to focus on so heavily, um, more so even than the acting, honestly, uh, is just the logistics. And I'm with, um, this is Matt. Um, this is uh, to to echo what Japes and Andy are both saying. What um, my role is at American Horrorplex is one of the four owner operators and also the actor manager. And and you guys are completely and utterly right. Um, I feel very blessed to be living or. Uh, better yet to be operating a business in Kentucky right now as one of the few states that seems to have taken this pandemic seriously from the jump. We have gotten excellent um, feedback from the CDC and local health authorities on what guidelines we need to follow as far as, as you say, because before we get an an actor trained what are they wearing what is their makeup etc and those are things that even before I step into the plate as an actor manager I have to consider as an owner operator and thankfully the other three members of of the board as it were Travis, Bowling, Janelle Nash and Richard Teachout all of us have major concerns about what's going into this and thus we have the respected departments um, uh, makeup, wardrobe etc. considering those things for sanitation between shows or even mid-show things of that nature because yeah that's where we're at as you say there's varying levels of belief as to whether this thing is real or not, which is uh, laughable, but it's we, we are living in scary times and opening a, an entertainment business in the middle of all of this is terrifying. You want to talk about nightmares? This is this is where we are and this is what we're doing. And so to have um, your logistical, backlog back crew back of the house like you've got a a wardrobe person you've got a makeup person and every step of the way there is logistics and other things set in place policies and procedures that can cover all of your bases and ensure that you are safe 
your cast and your crew are safe and that your guests are safe is everything the most important. And, and, and I think that it's, it's good to hear you guys from being as far flung as Texas and Chicago to echo that vibe because whoo, what a scary time for our industry. Yeah. I, Andy here. Um, like I was saying before, uh, this it's it is a scary time, uh, and really being prepared, epidemic or not, how prepared you are is going to determine, uh, in a lot of ways, the success of your year as a haunted house. But it's so much different now, and really, uh, so many haunts around here that are not open. The few that are, um, based on their success in, in these times, will really, I think, set a standard, like in a new way, for how uh, haunts operate regarding safety and uh, that sort of thing. And of course, I'm sure it will, in some way, with the uh, necessary adaptations, um, kind of evolve the industry a little bit. Like you were talking about possibly more animatronics or things like that. I'm not really sure uh, what that looks like yet. So uh, so I'm very interested and curious to see what happens. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think just like what you were saying there, Andy, like in our case at the American Horrorplex, um, this year more than any other, Becky McIntyre and Charles, uh, Charlie McCauley and Richard Teachout um, last year built a lot of our um, lighting and sound infrastructure. And this year, one of the things that I've taken it upon myself to implement more is something of a like museum type of quality when it comes to things as subtle as lighting so that we have a diminished cast membership um, because you just can't have that many people that close to your guests um, and everything of that nature. So, I, you know, like, um, as you guys were saying about the increase in animatronics and pneumatics and things like that, it's like something as subtle as lighting and sound can really address a customer's experience when they're walking through before they even reach your actors. Do they believe that they are in the world you have created? Because if they don't, it doesn't matter how much you trained your actors they're already out of the illusion. And so if you haven't sold them on the world they just walked into, that's something I think positive that could have come out of the epidemic that all haunt owners, uh, decor designers, owners, operators, uh, all the way down the line, it's like how holistically are you approaching the idea that a customer is getting ready to enter a world that you have created for them. That is a very good point too. You know, when you when you kill the illusion, it can completely ruin an experience for a paying customer to go through. I, I've gone to haunted houses 
and seen wonderful set designs, wonderful lighting, the sound, the fog, everything, and then have an actor just kind of standing there, not doing anything, and it kills it for me. I don't, I'm like, ugh, well, there goes this haunt. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't uh, I don't enjoy it until I see something really really cool probably in the next room maybe and then I you know then I move on but it you're right it can absolutely kill the experience. Yeah, and I'm 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 this is Japes again. I'm bad with that. Like I I know that all the haunts put so much time into like the scenic design and all the decoration and everything, but the first time I walk through a haunted house, I don't notice half of that. Because all I'm watching is the actors. I just that I've always really, really, you know, enjoyed the acting piece of it and watch watching the performances. And so, yeah, I, I'm. Everybody knows, like, I I don't pick up a drill, <laughs> like I can't build for for anything. Um, but like spotting actors and being able to coach actors, I'm I can do that. Um, so it's it's funny because I. I Half the time, don't even notice the decoration. <laughs> I was just about to say what you were going to say. I'm glad you brought that up, Andy. Here, I Dark Path was an entirely outdoor haunt in the woods, um, and unfortunately, to be able to open, you have to have certain things like a fire extinguisher lit up every thirty feet or something. <laughs> uh, something. That. It, it wasn't 30 feet, but it was a, a lot of fire extinguishers in the middle of a forest lit up, and that can totally kill the illusion. I, I hated it, but you're going to want those things around. You can't open without them. Uh, but like you said, having the actors properly trained and becoming part of the environment, I mean, the uh, forest itself, the haunt itself is its own sort of character. Uh, an actor can completely absorb the patron's attention yeah i mean when you think about it like so so many of like the quote unquote best actors right are out in the line which you know most haunts don't have a very themed waiting area so you know that a good haunt actor can create an illusion and can create uh an environment without even being in it you know just being in the in the queue line um, so, you know, that, that's always, again, that, that's always where I'm looking at stuff is, is, you know, an actor can take a, a, a poorly built room and, and turn it into something else. Um, but, you know, it always is nice to have a really immersive, when you, when you go to a haunt and everything is well laid out, you've got both, you get, you get the best of both worlds, right? You get great actors and you great, get great sets. You know, that's, those are the ones I want to keep coming back to. And I would agree with that. This is Matt again from Kentucky. Um, I think that one of the biggest things for us every year is customer satisfaction from the time they open their door of their car to get into the lock through the queue line, pull the way out of their exit through the gift shop, um, and all of that. It's the, the, the trouble I'm sorry let me rephrase that so the, the, the thought is it's it's strange because um, the beautiful thing about being in a partnership that is um, quartered as far as four of us all owning and um, enjoying jurisdiction over 
beautiful part in the business is that we can appreciate the myriad things that go into creating a holistic experience. So I'm very blessed to have Travis not only as a life partner, but as a business partner who understands the art of the carny. He is a natural born carny. His fingers are short, stubby, and they smell like cabbage. He knows exactly <laughs> what it takes to make a quick buck. Richard Teachout is an absolute, he used to run Asylum Haunted Screen Park, if you guys are familiar, um, is an absolute genius. He's a logistical genius, and Janelle Nash is an acting uh, coach genius. However, she had to... Is it Andy or Japes that has the outdoor haunt? Uh, Andy, that was the dark path. Okay, so you you know that what you guys have to train for specifically is a larger cast group with so much more needs because um, if I were to make a sweeping generalization here i would say that indoor haunts you cast a person in a place and they do that thing each and every time with some wiggle room uh for improvisation depending upon the groups they encounter in an outdoor haunt oh wow you guys are dealing with a whole other beast that is fascinating and complex and um, you've got shadows and lighting and trees and all kinds of stuff that is so much more complex than an indoor haunt can deal with. We, we get the perks of creating a world that is static. You guys are living in a plastic place that changes group to group, uh, weather increments to whatever. And so, you know, having all of those influences as both an owner, operator, and an acting director has been huge, especially in the wake of COVID, considering all the different things. Like, we are hospital-themed. Our, our theme this, uh, for this attraction is uh, uh, a hospital for the criminally insane, and thus... Uh, face masks, face shields, and the like, it all comes naturally. It's easy. It's not a big deal. We can work that into the show. But I do definitely feel for my brothers, sisters, and others that are working in the, the forest, you know, <laughs> trying to put on, like, scary shows that wouldn't organically uh, implement those types of things. How are you all handling that? Andy here. Uh, so for the outdoors, it is a different beast. Uh, we really put a lot of thought into how we're going to uh, light it and uh, not just actor training, but what's it going to look like? It's the woods. And we found out sort of less is more. The less props and set deck we do it's the woods i mean challenges from nature aside you just can't really beat the woods uh fog machines yes 
We didn't light very much. We gave the patrons their own little lantern, which has 360 degrees of light and really just kind of destroys their uh, night vision as they're walking through and allows the actors to see where the groups are from from any any distance. Um, a lot of the costumes that we were using were simply black morph suits. Uh, it's when it's that dark and you're blending in with everything, just being a shadow is enough to uh, really startle someone. Another thing that we did was tandem scaring. We had sort of a skeleton crew. We didn't have a hundred actors. We had very few actors. Uh, you put the two, two actors together that are sort of battle buddies that really play off of each other and they can control a, a very large space uh, as long as they're familiar with the area. Very nice. I do want to remind everybody, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. We are talking actor training with Andy Arasmith of Denton, Texas, Matt Clayton in Louisville, Kentucky, Japes Palace in Chicago, all of our usual co-hosts minus Jerry Vane. We're going to take a really short break here to pay some bills, and we will be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back to the Roundtable of Terror. We are talking actor training with Andy Aerosmith of Denton, Texas, Matt Clayton, Louisville, Kentucky, Japes Palace of Chicago, our usual ga-host, minus Jerry Vane, and ga-hosts. Do you have a question for our actor trainer panels tonight? I do, actually. And, you know, I, I hate to keep bringing up the elephant in the room, but uh, it's kind of become the norm lately. Uh, due to the whole COVID situation, and I'm, I'm, this goes out to all three of you guys, how are you handling, I mean, let's face facts, actors like to get in people's faces. It's what we do. Um, a lot of us, that's our bread and butter when we scare. Obviously, you can't do that this year. So how are you guys going to handle this and keep your actors from to, to toe the line so that they don't break that rule and get somebody sick? Andy here. Uh, I just want to say real quickly, the sick elitist in me kind of loves the uh, idea of a casting call that says professional acting experience required rather than no experience necessary and that sort of thing. And that I'm. we were talking about this a little bit of the break, just how... How uh, how well do you trust your actors to follow the the new rules that you've set in place? That's yeah. all. Yeah, and I I mean I the the one of the ideas that I've been really playing around with a lot and 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 
um, kind of threw it out there in a, in a group on Facebook is, is I believe that, that this is not a year for hiring newbies. This is a year for, uh, using your, your existing crew as much as possible. And, um, you know, th- there's, there's a couple reasons for that. And then the number one would be that they, you already trust them, you know, um, you already know that they, they know how to work in your show. They've, they've proven themselves. You already know what areas of growth they have. Um, so you can foresee any kind of problems that may come out of um, just their personality. You may know that there's some people on your crew who are, who are really overzealous and may not be able to control themselves enough to pull back, you know, and those are the people that you say, hey, this is a year you got to take off or, you know, or you really have to, you know, clamp down on them. Um, but you don't know that from a, a rookie. You don't know that from some num- some newbie that came in and even if you put them through a lot of good actor training and a lot, to, a lot of um, you know uh, time within within the show, uh, you don't know how they're going to actually react when there's customers there. So I think it's important to know that. Um, a, f- a friend of mine brought up a really good point, though, that like you also have to uh, veteran actors then also have to unlearn a lot of behaviors. We we of course we get close. That's what we do, right? Like of course we do all these things that in a COVID day and age, you just can't do. So there's a lot of unlearning to do. Um, but I think that overall, the, the safety concerns um, and, and knowing the crew is kind of outweigh, outweigh things. And also the joy. Um, I don't personally think that this is going to be an incredibly fun year to work. Um, I could be wrong, and, and I hope I am for those of you who are opening and who are going to be acting. But I don't think it's going to be as fun of a year. And so when you bring in newbies and their first introduction to haunting is really not enjoyable, you're going to lose them much easier, much uh, earlier in the season. And they're not going to come back to haunting in the future. They're not going to realize that this is totally different. Whereas people who have done it are going to be able to hold on to like, hey, we got to tough it out through this year. We got to do things differently this year. But, you know, hopefully next year things will be back to normal and we can start, you know, getting back into people's faces. Um, so I, I just, I think there's a lot of, a lot of um, potential da- damage that comes from bringing in new people for this year. Yeah. I, I would, go ahead, so Matt. Japes and Ed brought up beautiful points, which is for a newbie, they're not going to understand that sometimes the joy that one finds as a haunt actor or as an actor in general is actually in the struggle. It actually comes from the restraints. Um, yes. Yes. That's one of the Um, things I'm also saying. Yes. That's a great. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. It's one of the things that, and, and I'm so glad that you so eloquently elucidated that that is precisely what we are facing as an industry right now is I have spoken not just as an actor director but as an owner operator as well have spoken with so many other owners and operators in our area here in Louisville Kentucky and um, the greater uh, Indiana area which is really kind of uh, neat because of the difference between local statewide enforcature of different um, rules and regulations. Um, 
this is a this is a challenge and if you're not seasoned i don't think you should try to raise to it and as a as an actor because uh for instance at american horrorplex and this is uh simply subjective here referring to us in the specific uh we are a no-touch haunt unless you pay for it we are nasty tricks and we will turn that nasty we will touch you hold you up against a wall spit in your face and do crazy nastiness if that's what you want and what you paid for and you have to pay extra for that well this year we can't offer that product line and it's hurting us you know because that was a a very specific and special niche that we trained for kept safe kept within the realms of good taste did not get close to mckamey manor type um you know like going over the top and trying to like uh you know barnum and bailey over encourage or infuse over but it was like hey if you like it rough we'll give it to you rough we can't do that now and that hurts especially for our veteran actors who as uh japes i think it was you that said there's a joy in that as an actor it's like you put on your regular show and you do your regular gig and you get your spot scares you get your pop scares you get this that and the other but it's a whole different thing that is like a five foot ten actor you get to put a six foot five man against a wall and make him puke pee or cry that's a very special thing and unfortunately that is not a territory that we get to explore this year however therein lies the challenge also being that we're all having to wear masks depending on which state you live in and uh you know whichever governor has the sense and wherewithal to uh decide what is safe and is not safe uh if you have to act now like uh i i believe it may have been you andy pointed out like dialogue isn't a thing that you can rely on this year okay what can you do with your eyes baby let me see what you can do with the muscles around your eyes and now us japes andy i janelle todd merriman over at uh devil's attic etc any acting manager for an attraction that is open we have to teach people now how to act from the nose up Andy here. Um, one of my favorite things, and that this is relevant to what we're talking about, what you're talking about. Um, one of my favorite things with building a haunt from the ground up was tackling challenges and the moment of clarity and excitement when you do come up with an idea that works. And uh, as far as actor training, when we did auditions for The Dark Path, you would always have an actor who is seasoned uh, at some other haunted house uh, come up and do their clown. We don't have clowns at our haunted house. It, we just decided we didn't want that. It didn't really fit our theme. Uh, 
clowns and, and other things like uh, little girl come play with me, that sort of thing. Uh, sort of cliches that we all see and kind of expect. Love it or hate it. Bro, uh, can't juggle like your not a we, when you take that away from someone who's comfortable doing that normally, now they have a challenge. And they either want to go somewhere else or they ultimately grow as an actor and get better. And I think that this year is especially, it's gonna, this is the year to think outside the box uh, with acting and how you do your show in general. Outside the box ideas are, are I think, going to be. This is the year for those things to be tried and tested. I'm still of the opinion that a really good actor can scare someone from across a room. You don't necessarily have to get in someone's face to be scary. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, I see that in cue lines all the time, just staring at somebody. And they realize you're staring at them and they get very uneasy. And then you take that one step toward them and you could be 20 feet away. Yep. And then they start burying their face into their na into their companion's shoulder. And, and you've already got them at that point. It doesn't matter if you get right up in their face. And obviously this year you won't be able to. But I do think that if you learn the art of scaring from a distance, that's basically what a lot of actors are going to have to do this year, regardless whether they want to or not. I, and I could not agree more. That's one of the places I was coming from. And sorry to get so impassioned, but that scaring from the nose up idea, being that many of our actors, our cast, our crew, the entire atmosphere from the jump is going to be visible only from the nose up. Um, depending on how dumb you are or not, the fact of the matter is, is that we are all descended from monkeys. And... Um, monkeys, when they want to assert dominance, they will show their teeth and they will show the whites above their eyes. And if our actors as an entire industry, as uh, scary creatures, if they are limited to from the nose up, the whites above their eyes, I think are where the money shot is you know what i mean like it's like expand the muscles around your eyes and show me that there is something wrong with you and that's uh something that i'm gonna be implementing so uh to sort of like maybe start another train of thought one of the things that we're doing, because as uh, going digressing slightly and saying that we are relying heavily on returning cast and or veteran actors, that means that we don't have to touch upon the uh, what I would term boo school stuff, which is the basic logistics of a night coming into the haunt and doing your thing. So being that we don't have to do that what i'm focusing on is bringing in sections of the cast at any given time to actually workshop their respective areas under the new guidelines that uh covid has mandated and if any of the actor training to give them new skills i'm doing via a cast and crew page that is private, only goes out to our cast and crew, 
and there'll be short videos that allow them to sit at home and practice in their bathroom mirrors or because the thing about zoom is that it's just too even as evidenced through a skype call uh japes andy i and and you guys uh being hosts we all have to take turns but it's like as an acting director where you're just trying to give direction and have people follow you it's like here's all the direction in a video that you can watch at will and then now you take that and you do your own thing on your own time p.s by the way i expect you to have done that a very interesting point uh any other questions from the host storm anything <clears throat> yeah i mean we uh you know Listening to conversation, one of the things touched on is the challenges this year. And one of the neat things about haunting and your actor group is that sense of community. So a year where it sounds like that you as actor managers are going to rely heavily on your veteran actors, on their experience, and, you know, no matter what, this might not be the most fun year, the, the most positive year to do it. What type of community exercises are you going to do with your actors to, to try and make up for that, to, to, to try and keep that community positive feel within your actor group to keep them up during this season? And, and I don't know if, Andrew, you want to start off on that one? Uh, Andy here. Um, was that directed at me? Yes. Yep. Uh, well... One thing that I have concern with, I'm in Texas, and uh, COVID, there are like restaurants here that will say mask optional and things like that, and I would not take that chance with your actors, certainly. Uh, one, of the, one of the, not really a challenge, but one of the things that we had to talk about when I started a new haunted house with a group of people who had never done it before is this is a theatrical industry and you're going to have a lot of people coming in that have completely different points of view uh different lifestyles different kinds of identities that you're you're maybe not used to and we all have to really work together and understand each other and agree and and get along to make the show work so you know everyone so, being so on the what, same what page you, as what far are you as hoping the to do what are you hoping to do to foster that type of thing within your acting community? Do you guys that have like a, a game a or something question. that you normally play? I mean, you know, when I was an actor at the Haunt Trails of Terror, one of the things we had was um, every actor would have a joker. And there was some sort of keyword or something that you said. And if you said it, and this is backing right for makeup, this is, you know, before and after, you know, after uh, uh, haunting, might exchange a couple stories. After we have our quick uh, stand down meeting to go over events at night, safety, that type of thing. But you know, it would you would say something. And everybody had to hold up their Joker, and whoever didn't was a loser, and they'd, they'd have to you know wear the the goofy costume or get the the the, the goofy, not as fun acting position uh, uh, that the next weekend, that type of thing. And it, it was really neat to also see the characteristics of everybody's Joker. Like you know, I had a Decepticon Joker from a pack of cards, that type of thing. Is there an exercise you guys have done in the past, or something you, you might want to try and do to foster that type of community within? your group this year yeah so i was uh i was actually just talking with an owner the other day uh of, of a local haunt here um and 
you know, we're I was we were talking about a lot of this same stuff in terms of whether the show, you know, how, how are you going to keep the show fun? And and, and um, you know, one of my big 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 fears is like the the crew goes out. You know, when the show is over, the crew goes out to Denny's, and once they're out the door, you can't control what they're doing. But you're kind of this year, you're kind of bringing people together, and you don't really want them to stay together after the show. Um, you know, because you don't want them to get sick. Um, so one thing that he he and I had talked about was was doing um, you know movie nights even throughout the week. Maybe not so much on the weekend, but doing it throughout the week so they have an opportunity to get together and you know they can they can put the projector outside and they can you know everybody they've already done this once there um, where everybody sat you know sat six feet away from each other and we're able to keep distance and everything and everybody wore masks. Um, but you know, if you have a, 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 an opportunity to bring people together for that fun stuff, you know, again, not necessarily at the show. Um, I've never considered the idea of doing games during the show and I, but I really like that idea. Yeah. it not really during the show. It wasn't anything you ever did when we, uh, were out in the field. Okay. Yeah, but no, but I, I, but I think, I think it's important to find ways to allow people, you know, that's half the fun, right? Is, is being together with, with the crew and having that social interaction with a bunch of other weird people that are into the same stuff that you're into. Um, and I, I think this year you almost want people to like, we don't want you to hang out. We want you to come here, do the haunted house and then go home and get rest. <laughs> that's awesome. I do love the drive-in uh, theater type of thing this year. Cause that's what I was thinking. That's one of our, our events, even in the off season, we go go together and see a movie. And usually, the scary movies start coming out in the summer and everything. So it's a good thing you'd, you know, the group of like 30, 40 of us would descend upon a movie theater, wearing our shirts, and go go check out a new scary movie. But you know, the the uh, the new you know drive-in theater type option with the projectors and even doing it over a Zoom or or a, a community board like on Facebook, a group. Uh, Seems like a neat idea with that. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, Matt, what about you? Are we, um, to uh, put a finer point on the question, are we discussing specifically um, actor culture? Whatever works for your group. What, what, whatever helps form that community bond is, is what I'm wondering about with your group and, and how you'll uh, help foster that this year. So for... Um, let me give it a little context in terms of previous years to this year. One thing that um, I brought from the Devil's Attic um, to 7th Street Haunt and thus American Horrorplex was the idea that the cast, not necessarily the crew, although it spread to there with great effect, was the idea of the cult mentality. And I mean that from the top down. We are a cult. Um, every night before we start, um, I ask two questions. The first of which is, who are you? The entire cast replies, Steve. Because any cast manager, actor, trainer, what have you, can tell you that at any given time, you're going to end up with five new people per night because of volunteers and such like. You're not going to remember that many names because the Dunbar number tells you as such. 
So it's like everybody is called Steve, regardless of gender, whatever identity. And so everybody is Steve. And then the second question is, what are you? And that's the most important. And the answer to that is one of us. And what that does is it, it creates this because since the um, not um, I'm trying to think of how to de- diplomatically answer this without getting too direct or, or, or um, finger pointing in any particular direction be it um, I- identity or politics or what have you things have gotten pretty bifurcated and folks are having a harder time agreeing with things when they come to the haunt it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you believe you are one of us and we have a common goal that we are trying to achieve and this year more than any other I feel like that is something that you have to bake into your culture as a trainer um, and as a leader, um, perhaps up to and including um, joining the ranks, getting down in the trenches with your actors so that they can see you suffering along with them, wearing a mask, doing whatever you have to do to prove to them that you will go through the bullshit stuff right along with them. Um, is you have to prove that one of us means one of us from stem to stern. Because this is hard. The challenges that we're answering as owners, operators, uh, actors, managers, um, stage managers, wardrobe, makeup, all the way down the line, this is hard. And if if an actor, which is your grunt, that's your boots on the ground. If they don't feel like you're willing to get in there with them and get your elbows dirty and potentially put yourself in harm's way health-wise, then why in the hell should they listen to a word you have to say? Yeah, interesting philosophy. That's that's, that's some really uh, different neat insight. Um, Japes, what about you? How are you planning to foster uh, the community aspect within your uh, actor troupe for this challenging season? Uh, well, you know, uh, the, the good thing is I don't have an actor troupe this this season, so I don't have to worry about it as much. Uh, but, but like I said, I, that's something I've been, you know, while I'm not running my bus tour this year um, and I'm not working for a show this year, um, I still am on phone pretty frequently with haunt owners in the area. And that's, and that's the question that we've been trying to answer together. And, and like I said, that, you know, we've got one haunt that's already done the, the movies outside um, and, uh, you know, plan on doing more stuff like that. Um, that, that particular owner and I are kind of doing some brainstorming. I just talked to him yesterday um, around other things that can be done, but certainly, you know, you know, we, one of the big things, I think it's pretty popular here, and I don't know if it's a, a, a local Chicago thing because we've got Zombie Army here, and they're very known for doing their, their pump-up at the beginning of the night, their their pit, and all the other haunts have essentially, you know, um, 
gravitated and, and added some some element like that, kind of like what Matt is talking about, uh, the who, you know, who, who are we and what are we? Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the shows have those things. But the hard part is, again, you know, usually you get everybody together and you get that electricity from everybody being close together in their makeup, jumping up and down, usually listening to some pump up music. One Haunt here actually um, built an entire room literally just for their pump up. It's not a part of the attraction at all. It's just for their actors. Um, so you know, how do you how do you now use that when you when you're not bringing people in close proximity? So I, I think it's going to be a lot of experimentation. I think it's going to be a lot of playing around with stuff. But I think the the most important thing is you may not have a solution in your mind now, but like make sure that you realize that it's something you have to address. Make sure it's something that you're 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 recognizing that we got to make sure to prioritize doing something fun with the crew. Um, Cause like I said, you may not have an answer now. And I think a lot of this is once you get into it, you're going to be able to see what you can and can't do. Well guys, I'm looking at the clock here and we do unfortunately need to start winding this down. We've been talking for about an hour at this point. So any, any uh, more questions from the Gahos at this time? Um, nothing for me. This, this has been a very interesting conversation all the way around and, there's some great insight that I think people are going to appreciate. I'm yeah, going to throw the... Go ahead. Okay. No, no, go for it. Go for the closing things. I was, I was just agreeing with Jim. I was just going to throw one last question out here before we start winding this down. And we, we discussed this briefly before we got started. But, you know, haunts run the gamut from little mom-and-pop haunted trails that show up for a night or two all the way up to the big mega haunts that, you know, we see on all the TV shows every year. Uh, do you, as actor trainers, feel that there needs to be any kind of standards for actor training? I mean, obviously what works at Netherworld is not going to work at, you know, Farmer Jim's Haunted Trail is not necessarily going to work at Hundred Acre Manor, is not going to work at, you know, Reign of Terror in California. You know, just do you think that there needs to be at least a basic if you get trained as an actor, here's what you need to know. Do you need to know this? Do you need to know this? Do you need to know this? Kind of like the chaos safety seminars at Transworld. Does anybody think that there needs to be some kind of a, a national or regional set of standards? I mean, I, I think it's helpful to have, for sure. I think it's helpful to have a baseline that we, we all kind of agree on. You know, that's I think that's one of the do you want to dig into this now or do you want to take a break or are we going straight into it here? We can, we're going straight in, you know, we're going to, we're going to need to start winding this down in a little bit, but let's, sure. let's touch on it while we've got the time here. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's one of the, it, it's, it's a conversation that I, you know, that I know that I've had with other people. And I think it's a conversation that I wish more people had had and, and something had been formalized because we're in a year now where, to know that there was a baseline would make me feel much more confident about all haunts opening. To know that there was a commonly agreed upon, this is how we do things and this is how we don't do things um, across, you know, if, if and I'll, I'll go small scale to start off. I'll say across, like, say, the Illinois region or, or even the Chicagoland region, which is pretty huge, um, to know that there is a baseline would make me feel a lot more confident about Haunt's ability to open safely this year. Um, 
you know, and I think that's a standard that we should have across across our industry, regardless of whether there is a, a pandemic going on or we just want to make sure that every show is doing things safely. Because um, to me, you know, again, safe, safety is the number one. Safety is always the number one. You know, without without a safely run show, um, you know, there's there's really no to me there's no reason to do a show. Um, I, I want to know that when I walk into this place, I'm going to walk out with the same amount of, you know, body parts. Uh, you know, if anything extra, I should be walking out with. Uh, but um, so I, I think it's really important. I, I, I definitely support. I support that. Andy here. I, I support that highly. I wish that had been something that was uh, more of a thing uh, in the past, something standardized. Uh, that we all kind of like a household name for not just how to be an actor, but safety, uh, safety standards and, and things like that. Uh, film industry has that stuff. You know, they've got guilds and all sorts of standards that are constantly changing now, especially. Um, I think it would make also the patrons more comfortable. Uh, it would make... Uh, it would make for hiring actors that have that experience. Uh, it would affect things a lot in a positive way, I think. I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not sure what that manual or, or certification or, or whatever it would be looks like exactly. How about you, Matt? Any uh, thoughts on any kind of standardization? Yes. To um, sort of echo the feelings thoughts, concerns of both Japes and Andy, is that here locally we're blessed by being absolutely filthy with uh, haunted attractions. Um, here on the Kentucky side of the river, we have um, Michael Book, who runs the uh, Danger Run, has two separate haunts, and thus sends other people to other haunts as part of like a um, larger ticket price for going to, to multiple haunts and solving problems along the road. And also on the Indiana side, we have former head of the Haunted House Association, Brett Hayes, who ran Fear Fair, who has the litigi litigious side um, and, and knowledge and verbiage, which is very important. If if we as an industry are going to weigh in on what the gold standard is to be for COVID and going forward post-COVID, which is incredibly important, those are two resources that uh, Travis and I Jason, uh, Andrew at uh, Grim Trails, uh, Kevin at Haunted Hotel, which is a, uh, a nationally recognized haunted house. All of those types of things. We all get to enjoy each other's company and opinions. And I think that they are wonderful resources from which to pull important information. Coming from a place of knowledge that perhaps not all of us are party to and the thing is right now is I feel as though industry wide we're all grasping at straws figuring out how to make this work 
and and locally for us having such fantastic resources that know what this looks like from both a medical side and a litigious side is is i mean it's so important and i hope that those two gentlemen both dr michael book and uh and brett hayes don't mind me putting them on blast that way but they know what they're talking about they know what language to use and they know exactly what it is we all need to be doing to try and do this thing the right way and if um all of us perhaps at least in the short term could set our egos aside to listen to the advice of people who are fluent in the language of these new things that we have to adhere to man we'd be cooking with napalm not gas but napalm those two gentlemen know what's up and i i i would urge anybody to contact them well folks uh this has been an absolute amazing discussion on actor training in the world of covid hopefully this will be the only year we have to do this but i'm looking at the clock we do have to wind this down and this is the part of the show we normally call the plugs this is where we'll allow you to plug your various haunts or haunt ventures whether you're opening this year whether you're not opening this year uh, or where can people get more information so let's start with andy where can people get more information about what you do, um, your company, or your ha various haunt ventures, websites, social medias? Where can people get more information? Uh, my main venture right now is a special effects company. Uh, we are called Pink Mist Effects. Uh, we have a Facebook presence and do a lot of business with haunted houses on just Messenger. Or the website, uh, pinkmisteffects.com. Uh, okay. And that's pretty much it. We make a lot of uh, foam latex masks that are very lightweight. And uh, the purpose behind those is to be able to be worn comfortably. Very nice. I forgot to ask you, did you attend the Texas Haunters Convention a couple of weeks ago? Yes, I did. We uh, had a pretty successful time there uh, with the Halloween masks. And uh, I saw everyone being very uh, courteous and professional. Uh, with the, the wearing of masks, and I was impressed. Excellent. Well, hopefully that will bleed over into next year's HauntCon, Transworld, Midwest, etc. Uh, Matt, for people who want more information about the American Horrorplex, where can they get more information, websites, and social medias? Please, by and all means, uh, seek us out, American Horrorplex on TikTok, um, Instagram, Facebook, AmericanHorrorplex.com if you are in the local area and want to pick up tickets. Andy, is Pink Mist, is that is that a reference to the Expanse sci-fi book series? Uh, no, it is a reference to what happens when a high-powered round goes through a human body. And a lot of the work that I do is people getting shot on movies. <laughs> that oh, gives that's, me that's such unbridled joy. I can't even tell you. That makes me so happy. That is the coolest. 
Um, so yeah, um, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, again, uh, AmericanHorrorPlex.com, and yeah, man, check us out. We've got some nifty things coming up for this season. We have your concerns as um, guests at the heart of everything that we're doing as far as our show. So, excellent. And Japes, where can people get more information about what you do? And I know you do some touring that is unfortunately not happening this year. But uh, let us yeah, know. the uh, the idea of sticking forty people on a school bus uh, for six hours just doesn't sound like a very good choice uh, for this year. Uh, so Lost Souls is going to be taking the year off, but we'll be hopefully back in uh, next year. You know, assuming things have changed. Uh, but you can find me. Uh, you can certainly find me on Facebook. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. I'm usually pretty active on most of the forums, uh, most of the groups. Uh, but you can also uh, you can also check out LostSoulsChicago.com or our Facebook page uh, Facebook page Lost Souls Chicago. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty easy to get a hold of if you have the Facebook. Uh, other than that, I'm I'm an old man, so that's all I use. <laughs> Are you still for hire if a haunt needs somebody to come in and train this year? Um, I'm actually uh, I'm playing things really, really safe. Uh, I've got some some family stuff that uh, just isn't going to allow me to, to take any kind of risks. Although I have talked to one haunt about doing, um, doing uh, like a Zoom training, uh, which I'm not sure exactly how that's going to go, but we're, we're going we're gonna to work it out. So... Uh, if if you're comfortable with me with me working remotely with you, that's cool. Otherwise, you know, if you just, I like I like talking through people's uh, stuff with them. So if you're if you're just looking for consulting, I'm available for that too. So, uh, okay. but it's it, it would all be virtual, not not in person, unfortunately, this year. What do we always have next year? Right. Well, of course, we want to thank again our guests Andy Aerosmith of Denton, Texas, Matt Clayton of Louisville, Kentucky, Jabe's Palace of Chicago, and of course, we couldn't do it without Arca hosts, including Storm. Uh, a good conversation, very enlightening. Uh, not you know, not to poke fun at everybody this past week who hasn't had power in the Northeast, uh, but yeah, no, no, some some great points, some great concerns for this coming year, and and stuff to think about. You know, this year and going into uh, future years. So it's been a great conversation. I wish all of you uh, uh, the best of luck with the future endeavors, both this year and going forward. We also want to thank down in Cincinnati, Meat Hook Jim. Uh, I'm just glad I got out when I did. <laughs> but um, you guys, uh, I've, I, I, I've got to echo Storm Sentiments. Uh, there's some great insight, uh, given the situation. I think it's going to really make the haunts that are, are open think about what they need to do to keep everybody safe. So, you know, thank you so much, you guys. And once again, the Hauntstermentalist Jerry Vane is not with us tonight. He is traveling back from Iowa to his home in Ohio. We wish him safe travels, and I'm sure he will be on the next show. My name is Drew Badger, down in Charlotte. No earthquake damage here, thankfully. And just want to say good luck to my oldest daughter who went off, back off for her sophomore year at college. And if you still need somebody to talk about actor training, you can always visit my website, rabbitbadger.org. Once again, folks, this is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Insert shameless plug here. Absolutely.
under Frankenfingers, an unholy citadel on the big scary show. for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. Ladies and gentlemen, this picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, 
contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Mead Hook Jim here. And as I travel around the world to bring you different types of funeral customs, we are landing in the country of Germany this week. So let's let's get started. Popular ideas about German culture depict it as a strict, regulated, and efficient. While this is in many ways a generalization about a culture that's incredibly dynamic and rich, it's a fair description of the way Germans traditionally handle death. The German funeral industry is one of the most highly regulated in the world. The country enforces numerous laws regarding what should happen when a person dies. For instance, even if a person is cremated, according to German law, their loved ones or whoever is handling their funeral arrangements must still bury them in a cemetery in most cases. The government is also typically responsible for embalming and cremating a body. Scholars believe this rigid approach to saying goodbye to the dead stems from a popular belief among Germans. In recent history, German culture has emphasized the value of a good death or putting a person to rest respectfully. The country's funeral and burial laws ensure most people get this treatment. In general, researchers also state that German culture discourages getting too emotional about death. Germans traditionally see death realistically, accepting its inevitability. They know they can't avoid death, so they take steps to make the process as structured and ceremonial as they can. Because religion has long played a major role in German culture, they also tend to avoid funeral or burial practices that might conflict with religious beliefs. For instance, though cremation is becoming more popular in Germany, up until recently, it wasn't common at all. This is because Catholicism emphasizes the idea that the flesh is eternal. The body is more than just a vessel, so cremating it would be improper. However, changing religious beliefs and shifting values among younger Germans have ushered in some loosening of the restrictions. Not all German funerals are exactly the same. There's no way to guarantee a German funeral you attend will match the description here. That said, because German culture regulates funerals and burials so thoroughly, many traditions are common. and They include a typical funeral service isn't very different from one you might attend in the United States. Mourners gather to lay the dead to rest with songs and prayers. However, there are some key differences. For instance, German customs typically don't allow open casket viewings or last goodbyes. Some Germans are breaking tradition, holding unique funeral services in locations ranging from forests to the coast. This is particularly due to costs. 
Germany's regulation make traditional funerals very expensive. Some younger families opt to do away with what they consider old-fashioned rituals in favor of something less rigid and costly. The process of arranging a funeral service in Germany can also vary depending on a family's preferences. Many German families place importance on handling tasks such as sending out invitations and choosing a casket or urn. However, plenty of others allow the funeral home to handle all these tasks. The German way of burying the dead emphasizes the importance of structure and ritual. It might surprise you that popular German funeral song choices began departing from tradition in a big way starting in the 1990s. According to Marcel Feldberg, the music consultant of the German Institute of Undertakers, families are now likely to choose personal funeral songs. Popular choices include I Will Always Love You, specifically the Whitney Houston version, and Only Time by Enya. That's not to say all Germans do away with traditional and re- tradition and religion when putting loved ones to rest. Some German funerals still include hymns. It's also common to combine prayers and songs by reciting old prayers in the form of Gregorian chants. Requiem Artenam, Eternal Rest, is a prayer you might hear sung at a German funeral. Other common religious songs include Kyrie and Angus Die. German funeral customs share many similarities with funeral customs from other cultures. These similarities continue after the funeral ceremony. The focus on structure and regulation doesn't end when the funeral service is over. If a family chooses to cremate a body, the funeral home will probably handle the process. In most parts of the country, with only a few recent exceptions, laws prohibit funeral homes from handling the cremains over to the family. Instead, the funeral home retains possession of the cremains, ensuring they properly transport them to the cemetery for burial. If they're not going to cremate the body, the funeral home will still usually handle transporting to the cemetery. It's worth noting that traditional religious beliefs inspired many of Germans' laws regarding funerals, at least to some degree. Their funerals reflect this. Like in America, a religious figure will often recite sermons at German burials. This typically happens at the gravesite. Although German traditions of putting the dead to rest mirror those of other Western countries in a variety of ways, there are some interesting and potentially surprising differences worth touching on. For example, because Germany is a populous country, and because law requires burial of an urn or casket, most Germans don't actually purchase burial plots. Instead, they lease or rent them, usually for about 20 years. This gives the body time to decompose fully. It also ensures there's room for future burials. Germans commonly invite all those who attended a funeral to reception and meal immediately after the burial. This serves two purposes. One, it helps people focus on more positive emotions after what may have been a draining experience. Perhaps more importantly, it reminds mourners that life will go on and they can keep their loved one's spirit alive by spending time with those whose lives they touched. Germans call this the Leichenschmaus, 
And for the for my German friends out there, I'm sorry I butchered that, which roughly translates to funeral meal or corpse feast. The food served typically consists of popular German cuisine. That said, many also include Zuckerkuchen, a cake that Germans serve at christenings and funerals. And again, I probably butchered that word too. Practicing proper funeral etiquette is important for many reasons. You may want to make sure you're respectful when mourning a loved one with family and friends. Luckily, German funeral etiquette isn't very complicated. Here's what you need to know. Choosing clothing for a German funeral shouldn't be too difficult if you're already attending funerals in the U.S. or other Western countries. Mourners usually wear formal clothing and dark colors. This is particularly important if the person you're mourning was a close relative. Close relatives should try to wear black to a German funeral. Many also wear sunglasses. Every family is different. If you're attending the funeral of someone whose family you're very close with, you might want to trust your judgment when determining the best way to offer condolences. This may not behave, they may not behave the way average Germans do when putting a loved one to rest. That said, German culture generally discourages major displays of emotions at funerals. You can respectfully and formally let someone know you're sorry for their loss, but you probably shouldn't behave too emotionally if you can help it. Regardless of your culture or nationality, following an established process of saying goodbye to a loved one can help you celebrate their life and begin their process of moving on. It can also help you respectfully lay someone to rest. These points indicate Germans have understood the universal truth for decades. Their structured approach to funerals and burials reflects this. And I would like to thank author Joe Olivetto from joincake.com for his article on the German funeral traditions. That's all for this week. Catch you on the next show. Drew Badger here. We are live at home. You know, not traveling anywhere. My consulting business is very slow this year. I am not traveling as much as I am to different haunts around the country as we would in a normal year. And uh, got me thinking about a friend of mine down in Tampa who's been on the show a couple times who's also a consultant. And I was just curious as to how he was doing this year. I figured you know, being a full-time consultant, he's probably hurting, you know, I'm lucky I have a, a backup job, and ironically, when I went to see what he was up to, turns out he's actually doing pretty darn good, it, he's uh, auditioning some actors for a haunt down in Florida, lots of interesting things going down in the uh, Florida entertainment world, you know, Halloween Horror Nights is canceled, and Walt Disney World's canceled their Halloween stuff, but there's a lot of other ones that are not. 
So I want to introduce a guy who's been on the show a couple times, Mr. Scott Swenson down in Tampa. Scott, are you there? I am here. How you doing, Drew? Oh, man. Um, apparently you're doing very, very well. Better than my consulting business <laughs> is. You know, thankfully mine's only part-time, but uh, you are doing a lot of really interesting stuff going on this year. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not quite sure how it happened, but yeah, this, this year I'm actually consulting on four different different Halloween uh, Halloween events or, or uh, festivals for this year, and then I'm in the pre-negotiation for adding two more next year. So it's it's a very busy time right now, and I wasn't anticipating it was going to be. You know, like everybody else, I kind of took a hit earlier in the year when everything either went on pause or went away. But uh, the things have certainly certainly picked up for Halloween and for me for Christmas as well. So I am I'm incredibly lucky, and I'm playing with the right partners. You know, I, I uh, had a real good discussion with a friend of mine who's uh, who owns a production company, and I said, look, we can bid against each other, or we can go together and, you know, get both get work out of this. And um, so that's worked out very well. And I think, you know, like you said, we all have to kind of look out for each other. So uh, it's, it's, it's going great right now. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Knock wood. Well, fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit about this um, undead in the water that you have. This is uh, this is kind of an interesting thing. You're holding auditions pretty soon, so what's going on? Right. This is. I, I like to refer to this as a site-specific haunted attraction. Uh, it takes place on a World War II cargo ship, uh, which is actually still afloat. Uh, it doesn't go out on missions anymore, but it is still afloat, and uh, it's in Tampa Bay. It's actually. Uh, docked right behind the Florida Aquarium, and it's open throughout the year as a museum. Guests can tour the ship and experience it. Uh, but again, since it is a 501c3, it's a nonprofit organization and likes to do a heart that uh, they use to generate revenue. And what better place to do a heart than actually on a ship? There's a couple of really cool things about doing a site-specific heart, and that is that I could use you know, all the cool scenic that I could never afford to build. You know, I've never I've never had the opportunity working in theme park or, or zoos or whatever to have a three or four story set uh, like we do in the engine room of the ship. You can see down two decks and up two decks uh, from the deck that you're on. So it creates this wonderful sense of location. And uh, so we also have to, um, again, do whatever we can to make certain that guests are going to be safe when they visit. So again, all of the costuming and makeup requires, first of all, there's no sharing of costumes, there's no sharing of makeup amongst the performers, as well as each performer will be wearing some sort of facial covering for PPE, and every guest will be wearing facial covering. We've gone even one step further in this particular part because Undead in Water, uh, on the American Victory ship, the theme is the ship is being used to research uh, the existing zombies so that we can find a cure. Which we decided on this theme long before the pandemic ever hit. So the, <laughs> it's a very it's a very brave team, and they said, let's just keep going with it. You know, we're looking for a cure. And I was like, great, I love that. So um, we've even got a team, uh, what we call the hazmat team, and it's a team, uh, two teams of three performers each that will continue in hazmat suits to go throughout the attraction with actual cleaning products, cleaning the attraction as they go, wiping down handrails, wiping down doorknobs. Uh, and then in their, they're also zombified. So we're hoping that guests will think, oh, they're just cleaning, that's great. 
and then they'll let their guard down so that these folks can turn and startle them and scare them. Um, it's, it's something that we tried at Bush Gardens years ago for Hollow Scream. Uh, people who've been to Hollow Scream for all the years, in some of the, one of the early years, we did what was called the Pig Sweeper. And we put them in a regular Bush Gardens uh, operations uniform and put this hideous pig mask on them. And people just assumed that it was somebody cleaning up, and then all of a sudden they turn and startle them, and they get some of the best scares. So we're hoping that we get the same the same thing while people still get the, the opportunity to see that, that uh, Undead in the Water is doing everything they can to, to keep things clean. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but one of my first consulting, my first big consulting jobs was on the battleship USS North Carolina docked down at Wilmington. And I can absolutely attribute to the fact that those things are just creepy. You turn off the main lighting and you just put the battle lights on, you don't need anything else. You throw a little fog in there and I dare you to walk through that ship in the middle of the night. It is spooky. I I will tell you, the first year I worked on... on, uh on Undead Water, um, I was down in one of the lower holds, and since it is still floating, you know, it still creaks and moves a little bit, you still hear boats go by, and I was down there late one night doing some some uh, UV touch-up paint on a couple things on two decks below, and the only way to get to this hold is down a ladder, and, and I was down there with a black light flashlight by myself, you're absolutely right, it is creepy as hell, it really is very scary, and I love it. It, was, it makes my job really easy. <laughs> so, Scott, tell us about the auditions. What are, what are you looking for for Undead in the Water? Well, we are, we are looking for um, really traditional hot actors, but they have to be incredibly responsible uh, because, again, we do have a whole new layer of, of safety. And um, in the auditions, you know, we're going to ask people to do physical improvisations that will show us their, how they can scare uh, very similar to the auditions we used to do at Bush Gardens years ago. Um, but uh, people are going to be required to wear facial... They have to make a reservation to audition. Uh, they have to wear uh, appropriate facial coverings to the audition, and they have to social distance during the audition. The exact same way it will be throughout the entire run of the of the experience. So, you know, we're looking for people who like to scare folks, and yet who, can, who don't get so caught up in the Sounds like a plan. What are the dates and the times that you have for anybody that's interested uh, in that? We will be holding auditions on the 20th, 21st, and 22nd of August, and the auditions are from 5 to 9 p.m., and if you would like to request, uh, if you'd like to request an audition time, if you happen to be in the Tampa Bay area, and you'd like to request an audition, to- uh, an audition time, you can go to auditions at scottswenson.com. And uh, I will schedule you. Tell me which day you want to come, and if I have an available slot on that day, I will. Excuse me. I will schedule you in and send you uh, an email confirmation with all of the safety guidelines that you're going to have to follow. And um, and it is, these are all paid positions, and they they pay very very competitively. Um, actually, slightly higher than some of the local defunct. So, um, if anybody's in Tampa Bay, go to auditions at scottswenson.com and request an audition slot for Undead in the Water. What about actors that may not be working this year from, say, Halloween Horror Night or some of the other haunts? Are you are you looking for haunt actors-specific or regular actors who can follow direction or or what? Well, I think, that, I think that if they're good actors and they want to be haunt actors, they can be good haunt actors. 
Um, I know I'm kind of in, there's a there's a great deal of controversy as our hot actors at standard actors, the same kind of folks. They are. It's just a question of attitude. Hot actors will put up with a lot more, <clears throat> I think, than <laughs> less people who have less experience with the hunt of the track. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But uh, you know, we we have already because because Nights has has decided that they are unable to open. We've already had a lot of folks um, from Orlando request audition slots. So it's, we're seeing it already. We're seeing it already. And I'm sure that, you know, like I said, Howl's Spoon just announced, and they're doing their auditions virtually. They're not doing them even in person. So I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but um, I'm sure they're going to see a whole bunch of folks come over from, from Horror Nights as well. And what about SeaWorld? Does SeaWorld look for actors? SeaWorld does look for actors, but again, they're very, very family-friendly. Their event is called Spooktacular, and it's sort of like, the best way to describe it is sort of like trick-or-treating under the sea. Uh, you, They have a lot of candy stations set up. They have um, big, fanciful costumes. Um, there's nothing at all scary about Spooktacular. It is very branded to their, their under, underwater brand. And it is very, very family-friendly. It's cute. It's really cute. <laughs> um, but they, they're hiring actors who are kind of the antithesis of your standard hot actor. <laughs> so, um, but they do, yes, they do hire performers. And uh, I've not seen the audition notice for that one yet, but I have seen that there are positions available for um, for Hell's Scream as well as Undead in the Water and some other local haunts as well. So uh, what I'm, I guess what we're getting at here is even though Halloween Horror Nights is not happening, and that's always the big one, um, don't necessarily cancel your plans to Florida if you were going to come down and see some haunted attractions. I mean, COVID notwithstanding, it sounds like the theme parks are keeping things clean, are requiring masks, are you know, doing the necessary guidelines to keep people safe. So if you can't go to Halloween Horror Nights this year, maybe you can go to Hallow Scream. Maybe you can go to Undead in the Water. Maybe you can go to the SeaWorld Spooktacular. Maybe you can go to several of the other very fine haunts in the state of Florida that just tend to get overshadowed by the big theme parks. Well, and it's funny because uh, all those things that you, all the, the events that you just mentioned, plus things like Creatures of the Night at Zoo Tampa and uh, Scream of Deaden, um, they're, they have always sort of taken the overflow. Um, and we all know that if somebody goes to a good haunt and have a good time, they're going to want to go to another good haunt. And, you know, it was for years back when I was working for Hollow Scream, I had tons of international um, guests who I got to know quite well because they would come back every year, and they would make their trip so that they could do, you know, all of the haunts in and around the area. So, um, again, people have, and on, on my podcast on A Scott in the Dark, I actually did an episode on his Halloween Dead, and the answer is simply, no, it's not. It just is being rethought. And so, there, you will be able to celebrate Halloween, you will be able to get out there and um, find something to scare you. Will it be the same as it's always been? No. It will be different. And will it be different forever? We don't know the answer to that yet. You know, nobody knows exactly what is right. This is the first Halloween we've had during a pandemic. So we're trying to figure it out. And I just think, you know, does anybody have all the right answers? No, I don't think they do. 
But I think we just need to keep asking the right questions and doing the best we can so that we can create a safe and sustainable hot season. Worst case scenario, the pandemic does not go away. Uh, where do you see haunted attractions going in the next two, three, five years? Well, you know, experts have said that the, the, the effects of this pandemic will last for at least another 10 years um, because it has changed the way people go out. It has changed what people consider to be appropriate. And it's, I actually equate it to some of the changes that we saw after 9-11. You know, I can remember when I was a kid, I used to be able to give my dad a hug goodbye when he flew out on an airplane from the gate. Well, that's ridiculous. We didn't even think about that anymore. So I think the same is true with what this pandemic is doing and how it's changing our behavior. Now, does that mean that haunted attractions will, will go away? No, it means that they will reinvent themselves. You know, one of my one of my clients for this year has decided the way they're going to deal with it is they're going to do a very high scale uh, cocktail party show um, and 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 uh, dessert after party. So they're not doing a full haunt. They're doing a, a Halloween party that only will have 100 guests. And that is a third of the capacity of the location that's taking place in. So they've decided we're going to play it up. We're going to make it something that's elevated. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a bunch of haunted attractions that I've seen that are trying to do things like either drive in or drive through haunted attractions. Um, there's one that just recently announced in Orlando, and then I just saw another one just announced in California. Um, so, you know, I think everybody's trying to find stuff that's new. Now is the time where we need to try those crazy ideas that we thought would never work. Now is the time, based on the new rules, the new restrictions, the new regulations, the new normal, whatever that's going to be. I don't really care for that phrase, but, you know, we're changing. And the worst thing I think you can do is try to get back to status quo because that doesn't exist anymore. And you have to keep thinking forward, finding new ways to do things, safer ways to do things, and only time will tell what the real answers are. For people wanting more information on your services, maybe have you come by and, and help them create, recreate, reinvent themselves, or you know, come and have you speak at a group or event or anything like that, how can people get more information? You have a podcast out there. How can people get more information on that? What are websites and social medias? Uh, probably the best way to, to find out what I do is to go to my website, which is scottswenson.com. Uh, you'll find everything there from uh, my, my previous clients as a consultant to my, the books that I've written to uh, even some of the artwork that I've done recently. Uh, you can also listen to my podcast, which is called A Scott in the Dark, Periodic Podcasts for Haunters, and that's part of the Haunted Attraction Network, so you can find me there or on any place else that you, you can find podcasts. Uh, and, uh, and I just recently, actually, if you want to know, kind of get kind of a monthly update, I just recently um, did a sign-up for my very own newsletter, which will be coming out monthly. And it's called A Shout in the Dark, the Scott Swenson Newsletter. And it covers pretty much everything I've done. It comes out on the 13th of every month. And if you want to sign up for that, all you need to do is give me your um, first name and your email address. And I promise you, you won't get anything other than the one-a-month newsletter. But the very first one comes out um, very first one comes out in August. 
and uh, we're, we plan to do it monthly. And not only do you find out all kinds of stuff that I'm up to, with links to all of my projects and links to my podcast and links to my books and all that, uh, but I also am generating user uh, members-only content. So um, sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's I don't know. Sometimes sometimes it's a download. Sometimes it's um, an, uh, a new image, a chapter from a new book. Um, and just for joining, just for signing up for the the newsletter, you get sent a PDF which has the first chapter of my book, Follow the Story, as well as some of my favorite poems that I've written for my other four books. And um, and then you get, you know, an update every month. And to do that, just go to scottswenson.com. There's a big landing page that says click here to, to join the newsletter. And, and, you know, you can be in touch with me every single month. I'll, I'll come right to your, your inbox. <laughs> Scott, it's so good to hear that you are doing well in this very uncertain time. You know, you know, consultants need to stick together and all that stuff. So I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us here on The Big Scary Show. I also want to congratulate you. You just had your four-year anniversary with your partner. Congratulations there. And Thank um, you very much, Ed. Four, four years married. We've been together 32. So you know, it, 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 the wedding was a, was a thing that we did, but uh, it's... it's uh, it's very special just that we, you know, we're still together. We haven't killed each other yet, so that's good. No, there's, still, there's still time. And, and can, you believe it's actually, <laughs> can you believe it's actually been a year since you, me, and my daughter were sitting after a Midsummer Scream at that Mexican restaurant and then watching that guy play the violin under the, uh, the deck there? That was, yep. that was some amazing stuff. And, and hopefully we'll be able to go back and do that again at some point. But once again, folks... I'm sure we will. I hope so. But once again, scottswenson.com for everything Scott Swenson. Scott, I wish you nothing but success again with uh, all these projects. Uh, good luck with Undead in the Water. And folks, if you were planning on coming down for Halloween Horror Nights and you were like, oh no, they're canceled, there's a lot of other stuff going on at the other theme parks, you know. Be safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, but go out and check out the Florida haunt scene because it does have a reputation for being pretty darn scary. Once again, folks, Drew Badger here for The Big Scary Show, and I'm out. I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no conscience, no understanding even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Van Helsing's Curse, Halloween, on The Big Scary Show.
Gator bait. Untamed and deadly, she ruled the swamps of Louisiana with a blazing gun and a luscious smile. Gator bait. Rated R. Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. VonCaron.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Dark Imaginings. Von Caron Productions. Hot Pay. Ticket Leap. And Creepy Collection. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, master of the Ether Muse, as well as the Fordga hosts, including Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com, The Unknown Scare Actor, Actor Trainer and Traveling Actor Troop. For more information, check out MaulMonsters.com, that's M-A-U-L Monsters.com. Drew Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant. Find out more at rabidbadger.org. And Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, for all your heavy metal and haunt needs. jerryvane.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.